We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome back to Veterans Minimum. Everyone is here. Nick is joining us over the phone, but he's got that microphone now, so it sounds peachy. Good morning, everyone. Ooh. Wouldn't even know. Yeah, right? Yeah. We might even sound worse because we're in the new apartment. There's no stuff on the walls. Brand new studio. Yeah, we... If, I hear it like it's like a big echo. Yeah, I can't tell if you hear it through the mics or you just hear it like in life. That's true. You know what I mean? In life. I don't know. <laughs> like in real, I don't know what I'm saying. It might honest. be just in person. Uh, yeah, because you, know, you kind of hear a little echo outside. We'll go within life. In real life. Yeah, you know, it'll be fine. We'll figure it out. Get some stuff on the walls. You got a big ass black thing in your to- teeth. What is that? Damn, calling them out. Look at that. Look at that. It's huge. Shit. Yeah, where's it at? It's obviously right above your your front left tooth. Above. No, front right tooth. Yeah. Above it? Yeah, it's above their tooth. Want to hear something funny? I call that a Jeremy. What? <laughs> when we were, when, when me and my bros were young, we had to hide, uh, we wanted to hide the fact that we had teeth, so we would tell each other about saying like, yo, 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 Jeremy. You wanted to hide the fact that you had teeth? Right. No, no, that we had something on our teeth. Oh. Right, so we would tell each other like, yo, 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 you have a Jeremy. So that no one would know what the fuck we were talking about. What's it, who's Jeremy. We just that was the first thing that came to there our There had list. to be some like relations. Nah, it. none. <laughs> if you knew the, I mean, for those people out there, if you knew the Petropolis brothers, you'd know that that's for, par for the course. Jeremy. Whatever the fuck that means. You know, Jeremy. Not much things make Yo, sense. This kid gets weirder and weirder <laughs> by the episode. <laughs> Jeremy. I say you say weird. I say unique and gifted. I guess so. I like that. <laughs> I like that. Um, anyway, let's talk about one of the hottest things in sports right now. Rondo, spit all over that man. Okay? You spit all over CP3. I haven't seen the spit version of the video yet. Yo, very discreet. Oh, definitely, <laughs> definitely spit. Oh, yeah, we're adding a soundboard, too. Yeah. Let's not forget about that. Yeah, but he's... So, I forgot, I, forgot some, I forgot who posted it, but someone posted it on Instagram, and it was like, 
a, a video, like a crazy HD video that kept zooming in and zooming in. And you see him, he spits on him a little bit. And that's why Chris Paul went crazy. He was mm. like, you see him turn the upper lip in, like when you go to spit. Yeah. Turn the upper lip in, clear motion, you see some spit. Didn't really look like he had his face, though. More like he had his feet. Um, wait, what? Am I bugging? I have to watch. You're walling, bro. Spit at his feet? Like spit at him, like in his direction, not like in his face. I thought he spit at him, like at his like chin, so? neck area. I'm going to tell you one thing. As a man, there's two things that you can do to me that'll make me punch you in the face without even asking a question. One of, one of them is spitting in my face, yeah. and one of them is taking your hand and shoving my face back. So like yeah. the, the action that Rondo took was a punchable offense, and then the action that Chris Paul took, also a punchable offense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was a good, it was a good little scrum. Yeah, it you was. Know? You don't see a real good scrum like with a with a nice. Ooh. Nah, he spit on him, bro. Ah. Yeah. The evidence isn't clear, but I but if there if spit touched his face, I understand. Yeah, and a lot of people are getting at LeBron because he like grabbed Chris Paul and like walked him away, and people are like, "Yo, you should be, you know, protecting your own players and not your boys, or whatever." But. I, mean, I don't know. Maybe he was doing both at the same time. I mean, I I feel like that happens all the time. Like in those fights, it's not necessarily like this team is pulling back this team. Like people who know each other would be like, "Yo, chill," you know. Like I'm, he'll listen to me, and this is the main dude involved in it. Like I'll pull him away. If you remember last year, this happened with Marshawn Lynch, where the Raiders got in a fight with yeah uh, Marcus Peters. Marcus Peters was his cousin, and he went over and he grabbed Marcus Peters. Yo, I mean, it's it's completely understandable. And he ran off the James. bench. He yeah. wasn't even Lynch in the game. Did, yeah. yeah, Lynch did. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's completely understandable LeBron grabbed Chris Paul. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not you know. I'm, I'm more mad Lance Stevenson didn't get involved in this. <laughs> Honestly. Word. Yo, it's good, bro. You're from New York or what? I mean, he was pulling Ingram back from the ref. He's like, yo, chill. Pick on some of your own side, not the ref's on. Yeah, Ingram's kind of bugging. Ingram started that yo, whole thing. I think uh, I think what LeBron did was fine. I mean, I, I would probably do the same thing. Like, don't forget, uh Chris Paul and, and LeBron have been boys like for the longest time. And I feel like in the heat of the moment, your boy would be the only one that could calm you down. Would you guys agree with that? Yeah. Probably no so one's I calming think, me down if they spit yeah. in my face. Yeah, that'd be tough for anyone. Word, to calm yo, down. spit in my face? God. Yo, sure, Mello sure. said, Mello in, the, in his post game was like, yo, I don't even happen in the streets. Like, nobody spits in anyone's face. Like, Mello would know. Bro, Mello knows. <laughs> Well, Mello's from Baltimore, son. Yeah, I know. He say this didn't happen in the street 15 years ago. All right, relax. You're one of those people. Shut yes. up. Tim acts <laughs> like he's in the streets. I'm yeah. more in the streets than Mello is. Yeah, you're you're very in the streets. <laughs> Mall up in the streets. Yeah, you're, more, you're Yo, in the most street. I get what you guys are saying. Like, if someone spit in my face, I'd be seeing red. But I think if, like, boss was to come over and grab me and be like, yo, yo, yo chill, chill, chill. I think of all the people in this situation, boss would be the only one that would be able to have or, or Tim or Joey, you know what I'm saying? Like someone close to me would be the only one that would be able to control me and like cool my emotions down. Yeah. Yo, honestly, so that's, where I, that's if, where I think LeBron comes in there. If that's me and like you tried to get in my way, I'm throwing you right wherever the fuck I'm throwing you. And I'm getting right after it. <laughs> or trying to anyway. Especially if he's drunk. Especially, bro, if you spit in someone's like, there's no bigger sign of disrespect. Right. No bigger sign of disrespect. Yeah, that's style. like gra- that's like taking out a a glove and slapping someone across the face back in the day. We challenged him to a duel. Like, yeah, I'd Yo, rather get shit's gonna go down when you do that. I'd rather get smacked. I'd rather get punched and smacked in the face and spit smacked. In my face. Open hand. Yeah, 
Okay. Yeah. Not I like mean, rather than not like you said. You said because like I'm. Th- push. I, you know what I'm doing? I'm thinking about it from like if a female slapped me in the face, like I could live with that. That's not. That's and not if, And if she though. spit in my face, I'd be way more like, oh, I am on the edge here. You know, like holes in the wall, mad. Yeah, like I would, I would beat up the walls. Yes. Not the vagina walls. <laughs> the actual. The walls. That's for, that's for like the makeup. You need right. to add a break the walls down. Uh, sound. Break the walls down. <laughs> oh fuck. Um. All right. Cool. Do you guys want to talk about the World Series? We're all set here. Hell yeah. No, not really. Not the Boston's in it. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll tell you, you're not happy, but I'm Major League Baseball's set. happy. The stage is set. Is what I'm trying to say. Would you, Major League Baseball gets to have Boston versus L.A. in the World Series. Maybe they'll beat a Thursday night football game. Conspiracy? Maybe. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people were talking about a conspiracy with that Mookie Betts home run, which, by the way, 51-49 was the split on our VM poll. But a lot of people were just crying conspiracy for that. But Wait, who, which side won? So. Um, it, it yes, that it was fan interference. Was oh. fan okay. But really, neither side fast won, interference? wins. Fan interference. Damn, I'm already already There's one the over to move. the well. Yeah. <laughs> and by the way, I went back. You fucked up three names. How? Well, three. It was three. The Me Holmes. <laughs> <laughs> but I said I just I just said Me Holmes. And then you said the Patricks. The, the Patricks. The Patricks and yeah. the four and seven on the line. Oof. Counted that one. That guys are nitpicking. I just saying. Me Holmes. I'm not me, nitpicking Me Holmes. Patrick. Patrick <laughs> me Holmes. <laughs> me Holmes. Guys are nitpicking Me Holmes. Um, <laughs> anyway, we have the Dodgers and the Red Sox. Uh, I just want to know who has the edge here in like the starting pitching. Like, what do you guys think? Nick? Man, this one's... I, I feel like the ultimate X factor is like, what's good with Chris Sale? Like, I don't know if you guys saw his, that report about how he got his belly button pierced and he got an infection. What? <laughs> what? He got his belly button pierced? Yeah, I don't know if it was like a bet that he did because of like they made it to the World Series or whatnot. But yeah, I had an irritation from a belly button ring. Um, I don't know if this is an old thing, but like that's one of the reasons why he wasn't feeling well during the ALCS. Yo, if you're, if you're, oh. you know, <laughs> if you're a dude and you have a belly button ring, you're bruh. a professional. You're a professional athlete, man. Bro, you're a dude. Uh. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. Oh, hell. <laughs> you can't. You can't. No, I'm sorry. Soundboard on point. Yeah, you can't. You can't. You can't do it. I'm sorry. I mean, he, he's on nine days rest, so hopefully his belly button <laughs> here's, here's problems are in the past. Oh. Here's the thing. Something like that, right? I get it if it's like a funny thing like, yo, if you make the World Series, I'm going to pierce my belly button. Hilarious. Dude, don't do it before the World Series. <laughs> Wait till after the fucking series, please. The Cr- worst slash best part is like the Red Sox Twitter account was like, Oh, our hero's back and throwing with his post belly button infection. <laughs> <laughs> like what? Why would you even want to put that out there even more? Yeah, it's weird. Look, belly button rings aside, I think that um, <laughs> if, we're, if we're actually talking about on the field, uh, the Red Sox have pretty much been rolling on offense. Uh, 56 runs scored, 14 more than anyone else the postseason. But the thing is, they struggle against lefties, right? Only eighth in the AL in runs scored against lefties this year. And the Dodgers are going to throw them... Th- uh, three of four lefties. It's going to be Kershaw, Ryu, Enrich Hill, all lefties. The only thing is, now that should be a big advantage for the Dodgers. The only thing is the Dodgers also equally struggle against left-handed pitching. They were also eighth in the National League against left-handers. And the Red Sox are going to, Chris, are going to throw Chris Sale and David Price. And if the past 
shows anything, it's they're willing to throw Chris Sale and David Price twice in the series. So that's at least four times you're going to see lefties. So in terms of starting pitching, it really is it's Chris Sale healthy. He's got nine days in between starts now. So is he healthy is the number one thing that you have to ask yourself. Uh, but if he is, I think, I, I don't know. I, usually I don't like doing this, but I'm going to do it anyway. I think starting pitching for these two teams is a push. I think that both come out with uh, one big ace and three capable guys behind him um, that are going to be basically wild cards every single time they walk out there. So uh, I think that is a push. Both of these uh, both of these rotations are built pretty similarly. I'm only in uh, Dodgers. I think like Walker Bueller, like coming of age, really happened really fast right in front of our eyes. Uh, he pitched that clincher, pitched deep into it. And uh, they have guys just going deep right now. Kershaw, Ryu, Bueller, all capable of going deep. Whereas like the Red Sox, aside David Price, I think that was huge. The clincher, game five. Just for this mental state and like confidence going forward, that, I mean, going seven and getting the win, his first postseason win, shit. And, However long he's been in the big leagues, he's one of the most, you know, highly paid starting pitchers. I think the highest paid starting pitcher in baseball. So that was huge for him. Um, and then followed by Porcello and Evaldi. I slightly give the edge to the to the Dodgers there. I like the Dodgers starting pitching. And Kershaw, not for nothing, he's been pretty good this postseason. I know he has that reputation of shitting the bed once in a while, whereas otherwise he's kind of above average. He's not the ace, ace postseason pitcher but he's definitely an above average starting pitcher so I, i'm gonna give the edge to, to the dodgers nick always said this i think i think yeah, he's on the right track when it comes to this i think his struggles have been overrated uh you look at yep. their you think you look at his struggles as a whole and yeah he has struggled but a lot of that has come in like isolated incidents like he gets smashed for three games but then his other three games i mean his other games that he's pitched have been pretty good um, so I think that the struggles of Clayton Kershaw have been a little bit over exaggerated. He's been a really good postseason pitcher in the last two years. I don't have I have no problem with Clayton Kershaw as my as my ace going into the World Series. Yeah, it's it's also the first time in five years that Clayton Kershaw a Clayton Kershaw team is a underdog in a game in which he starts. Mm-hmm. Yo, shout out to Katie Sharp on Twitter. She's my go to f- fucking statistician. Because she tweets a lot of Yankee stats, but she tweeted Clayton Kershaw, eighth postseason start, allowing one run or fewer and three hits or fewer. No one in MLB history has more than five such starts. There you go. He gets the job done, yo. Uh, What about the bullpens? Who's got the better bullpen? This one is super interesting. Go ahead. I'm going to let Nick go first. Yeah, I was going to say, like, yo, I think this is the biggest X factor because, like, I feel like uh, Craig uh, Kimbrell, every outing that he's had, if you're a Red Sox fan, he doesn't make it easy for you. Like, this guy is, like, walking batters. He's giving up hits. He's giving up runs. And, like, eventually he gets the job done. But this was a guy who's one of the premier closers in baseball. I would probably lean with uh, Kenley Jansen if I had to pick one or the other. So, interesting story about Craig Krimble that I, I wanted to bring up. Uh, Eric Gagne. If you guys remember Eric Gagne, he was a closer that won the Cy Young back when that was unheard of. Uh, record for saves in the season. And he was watching the game, and he noticed that Kimbrell was tipping his pitches. And at that point during the postseason, he was he had an 8.44 ERA, five walks in five and a third inning. So very un-Kimbrell-like. So Eric Gagne called Alex Cora, the manager of the Red Sox, former teammate, told him 
that he's tipping his pitches. So they worked on his mechanics, and bam, just like that, he pitched a shutout inning. So if that is the reason why Kimbrell was struggling, because this did happen out of nowhere. Like, he's not the same guy he was 10 years ago with the Braves, but he's also not this guy with an 8.44 ERA, right? So if he can kind of right the ship, he's going to be fine. Outside of that, Ryan Brazier, Matt Barnes have combined to allow five hits in one run, 11 strikeouts in 13.1 innings. Also, Alex Cora has been easily, I mean, very quick to use starters in the bullpen role. Uh, Eduardo Rodriguez, uh, a starter from the regular season, he's going to be that lefty in that bullpen. Uh, I think that continues. So I think the Red Sox have the advantage in the bullpen here. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, I never thought I'd say that going into the postseason that the Red Sox would have any bullpen advantage, but I, I kind of agree with you. I mean, like you said, Brazier has kind of been that guy. They were, they were talking about that was a storyline coming in for the Red Sox. Like, there will be no problem hitting. It's just what's the bridge to Craig Kimbrell, and they've kind of figured it out with Brazier and uh, Barnes. They've been lights out. I like the the Dodgers bullpen, too. I just worry about Kenley Jansen, too, at the end. He's been... He gets in trouble a little bit too, and I know we talked about his irregular heartbeat yeah. um, that he's been battling. He probably still is battling. So, but other than that, I like their bullpen. Ryan Madsen has kind of been clutch for them and going two innings. Veteran, uh, former he's been there, as done well. that, Been around yeah. the block, closing for the Phillies and the A's, even the Nats. I think at points. So uh, yeah, they have some good arms too. I like Julio Urias or Udias, former top prospect, and uh, just. Battling, been battling injuries the last couple of years. He's been coming out of them, giving them length for the Dodgers bullpen. So I give the slight edge to the Red Sox, but it's slight. It's slight. I, I like both bullpens, and I can't believe I'm saying that. <laughs> I swear to God, like there was nothing in this Boston bullpen all season. It's crazy. Uh, what about the lineup? Who's got the uh, advantage there? I feel like I, I top to bottom, don't you think it got to be the Red Sox? Like they got arguably three MVP candidates in there, and uh, I think JD Martinez way too early prediction. I think that's my MVP for this series. I'm gonna go with the Red Sox. So that's that's funny that he mentions JD Martinez because I think one of the nuances of this series is gonna be the AL to NL paradigm shift. Right, the Red Sox obviously have the better lineup overall. But the Dodgers have the deeper team, right? So they have more – their their whole team is basically a platoon system where uh, against lefties, a group of guys are going to play. Against righties, another guy, a group of guys are going to play. And so when you're in an American League park, this causes a lot of problems because J.D. Martinez needs to get in the lineup. Like Nick said, you can't lose his bat. He's arguably the MVP of the season uh, for a portion of the season this year. But the only problem is he plays corner outfield. And right now your corner outfielders are Andrew Benintendi and Mookie Betts, neither of which are sitting, right? So that presents a problem. How the hell are you going to get J.D. Martinez's bat into the lineup when he's in the NL ballpark? So they've proposed, and Boss and I were talking about this off air, Mookie Betts going to second place. Now, he hasn't second played base. second base. What did I say? Second place. Oh, second base. I hope he goes finishes in second place. <laughs> uh, he hasn't been in the infield since 2014. Came up as a shortstop. So even when he was in the infield, not exactly playing second base. This is obviously going to be a defensive down, a defensive downgrade. He actually was a second baseman. 
Okay, he's coming up because they moved him to outfield because of Pedroia. Oh, right, like, right. While right, he was right. coming up, they're like, oh, well, obviously we have Pedroia for. Well, drafted as a shortstop for whatever that's worth. Uh, so I think that even though the names in the Red Sox lineup are bigger names, and this is obviously one of the best offenses in the American League. I think it's a giant defensive downgrade, putting Mookie Betts in a position where he hasn't played all of a sudden in the World Series. And for the for the Dodgers, they have their regular eight, and now you can, you have a bench of Brian Dozier, Jock Peterson, Matt Kemp, Enrique Hernandez, David Fries, Mac Muncy, and all of a sudden you got these guys that are all available to DH at any time, any day. So I think that gives them a giant advantage. So even though I think the Red Sox have more talent on offense, I do think that it's the Dodgers that are going to have the offensive advantage because of those nuances. Damn, I think that's crazy. <laughs> no, nah, it's just because, like, I feel like when I see this Dodgers team, I, I see a lot of Yankee similarities. And when I watch the Yankee-Red Sox series, the Red Sox dominated it in every sense of the word. In the sense of, for the Dodgers, it's it's like home run or bust. Right? You have Machado, Justin Turner, Cody Bellinger. I feel like not so much Puig, but even Max Muncy you could throw in there. All these guys, I feel like, sell out for the long ball. So they leave a lot of guys on, and Boston doesn't do that. Boston is more of, I mean, you have J.D. Martinez, Benintendi, and Betts at the top of that lineup. They're all hitting 300-plus. They're all willing to move guys over. And it was kind of weird seeing in Game 7, Manny Machado lay down a bunt. You know, Mr. I'm not going to ever be Mr. Hustle. Lay down a bunt to get on and then followed by a Bellinger home run. So, you know, if they're will- if he's willing to do that or if these guys are willing to, you know, play a little small ball with the long ball coming behind it, then sure, I could see them, you know, keeping keeping the series close. But other than that, I think it's the Red Sox all around. Even though Mookie Betts will be playing out of position, I actually watched him play second for, I think, an inning or so against the Yankees this year. It was like some odd injury or something happened. He wound up at second base. Um, but, yeah, they have – if you keep the standard lineup, I mean, you start Kinsler, or you can even, I guess, throw in Steve Pierce, who's been a revelation for them at first. You know, mm-hmm. the Moreland-Steve Pierce combo is like one of them at DH. Or you can just roll out Kinsler and keep JD at DH, which is probably the obvious scenario. It's going to be a lot of managing for for Alex Cora. Yeah, yeah. Alex Cora, for some reason, has been pushing the right buttons, too, whether it's catcher. I know he carries, like, those three catchers in uh, Leon, Vasquez, and Swihart. Uh, Leon Vasquez, you know, they don't really hit offensively, but somehow, some way, they've Vasquez has been producing Devers too at third. Is Devers Nunez combination is which one, you know, is the, Devers has been playing lately. Nunez started the season both like kind of woeful <laughs> defensively, but Devers brings the power stick, so it's, it's it's interesting to see. Um, but I definitely give the edge to the Red Sox, especially with Jackie Bradley Jr. all of a sudden hitting fucking dingers. See, that's that's, Fuck that guy. that's one thing I worry about with the Red Sox. <laughs> sort of like, God, yeah. How, how, how many two-out RBIs by one guy can you possibly lean on, right? I saw this, like, you you compared to the Yankees. I'm going to compare it to the Mets. The Mets, when they went on their Magical World Series 1-15, they had Daniel Murphy, who was coming up clutch in every single sense of the word, hitting nine home runs in the first two series. And when they got to the World Series, when that magic ran out, you, know, you can't blame Daniel Murphy. You can only do that for so long, but they didn't have anything to, to substitute it with. They didn't have an answer for it. Do the Red Sox have an answer? Now, their lineup says, yes, we have an answer. But does it come at the cost of defense? 
which, again, as a Met fan, I can tell you, defensive second base, which costs us a game in the World Series, is very important. Although, Dodgers have the highest fly ball rate in the NL, so maybe that... Because they, I'm telling you, they sell out. Yeah. That's it. So long maybe that's... Enough, it's a lot of long balls. Maybe that's a, a little bit of an incentive to get bets there at second base. So what about uh, as far as managerially? Is that a word? Managerially? Managerially. Managerial. Man- Whoa. Managerially. Managerially. Nah, I think you scratched the Y. It's definitely a word. Managerial. managerial? I know Who managerial. Has the managerial advantage. Ooh, I like that one better. I mean, that's what it is. Ah, uh, your show. You <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll show myself the door. Nick, who's got the better manager? Yo, I just want to pose a question to you two. What do you think about this? Uh, the the story within the story of Dave Roberts going back to Boston now. Like, he might become a villain all of a sudden after being a hero in that, sorry, boss, that 0-4 run. It'll be hard for him to become a villain. That I mean, would... if he stops them from winning a World Series. But he did, like, single-handedly win them one, too. Yeah. Not like, single-handedly, but He, he was a role. difference maker. Yeah. yeah. For I'm those of you who weren't born in 0-4. Just because 0-4. of the experience, too. Like, this guy's, you know, Cora is in his first year as a manager so i'm gonna go with dave roberts been there done that you know they were in a game seven last year so i'm sure they know what it takes now maybe not do the same mistakes that they made last year don't get it twisted yo core has been there done that too as a as a bench coach for the astros he won that he won a ring last year too uh similar circumstances it's weird too because core played for the dodgers and dave roberts played for the red sox now both on like opposite sides so um sheesh that's a tough one core has been pushing a lot of the right buttons lately I know Dave Roberts. Yo, you know what's crazy too? The Dodgers started sixteen and twenty six, and like Dave Roberts was in hot water. All this shit was going on with them. Seemed to have a good year. Rebounded nicely. Anyway, um, I'm only in Cora. I just think Cora's like, I swear to God, like all of a sudden he's bringing in these guys, Brazier out of the bullpen, Matt Barnes. Everything he, every button button he pushes, is working to perfection. So I'm only in Cora. Alex Cora also won a World Series with the Red Sox. So this would be his second yeah. World Series with the Red Sox. He won an 07. Okay. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's Nick has a good point. One of them has a lot more experience. Dave Roberts was in the World Series last year, almost won the World Series last year, one game away from winning the World Series. That teaches you some things. Um, but at the same time, Alex Cora, although he is the rookie in the situation, he does have the pedigree, and he's been pushing every single button that needs to be pushed. And he's been doing it right. And he's been... Having a good time about it. Now he's going to be forced to be a National League manager, and I I always say, being a National League manager and being an American League manager is not even close to the same thing. Uh, they are very vastly different things, and a National League manager has a much tougher job. Um, but let's see if he can hang. I'm giving the early advantage to the to Dave Roberts and the experience, but I think Alex Cora can hang. So I guess another push here. All right. You want to do predictions, or is that too early for that? No, nah, it's not too nah, early. Bro. It's just on time. All right. Dodgers in six. Ooh. Let's go. Boss is going to take Dodgers on a sweep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really want to say, like, Dodgers in six, too, but I think it's Red Sox in six. Oof. I think they, I think they, I think they get outmanaged in those National League parks. I think it's the difference. You got, my Nick? heart says Dodgers. My head says easy Red Sox. Uh, I'm going uh, Red Sox in six. Ooh. All right, everyone's got six games. What, what do you Joe? got, Joe? I, I honestly, I don't know, just like giving it the eye test, I kind of like the Red Sox too, just because, I mean. You don't like them, so it's the way that a little different. I, you know <laughs> what I mean. I like them in this series. I just think that they're just 
big hitters. You got to score. Big sticks. Big sticks. Pause. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, let's get to the NFL. Uh, week seven is in the books. <laughs> what was that? It was like that that you know thing that they do. Weirder Drive. and weirder by the episode. Well, what is that? That's supposed to be like football players. Like, NFL week seven. Yeah, like <laughs> hitting each other. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Like, okay, Jesus. <laughs> um, anyway, the first uh, game on the slate, uh, we have the Broncos beating the shit out of the Arizona Cardinals. 45-10. to 10. Emmanuel Sanders whips it out and rubs it all over the face of... The Cardinals. <laughs> yeah, I think the, the only important thing that happened from this game is that Patrick Peterson has finally had enough. He requested a trade today uh, from the Cardinals, so it's going to be interesting to see what the Cardinals do there. That's a team that's kind of been on a uh, a very, I don't know, they've been in denial with the fact that they're clearly in a rebuild mode and they clearly don't have much to work with right now. Um, their offensive line is banged up, and they're really not going anywhere, so... Uh, Patrick Peterson wants to trade. He's going to be interested to see because Patrick Peterson going to a contender is something that could really swing balances. It could. Because there's so few like shut down man-to-man corners these days. A guy like Patrick Peterson who's done it, who's done it on the biggest stages, is someone who is almost invaluable. And we saw another trade today that we're going to be getting to in a little bit. But if Amari Cooper can, can demand the first-round pick in exchange for him, like it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see what Patrick Peterson can get on the open market. Yeah, I mean this game, you bring up Patrick Peterson, but how about McCoy also getting fired uh, shortly after this game was completed? David Johnson orders rejoice. <laughs> Byron Leftwich, that's a fucking odd thing to see him at OC. Yeah, like I feel like he was just playing yesterday. Yeah, I feel very old weird. But um, anyway, yeah, I mean we'll see if that helps Josh Rosen along. I mean that offense doesn't really that offensive line doesn't really do much for him, and a couple of miscommunications. I know that pick six to Chris Harris was just like a he was just like dude what the fuck I forgot who was running that route. It was JJ Nelson. Was it JJ? It was JJ yeah. and Larry Fitz, and it was supposed to be a quick slant, and JJ stopped his route, and he's like dude like what the fuck? Yeah. Wanted to be in a pick six, so uh, yeah, not a lot I take from this game except for Philip Lindsay also getting the number one role, pretty much going forward for the next month or so with Royce Freeman getting hurt, so. Yeah, I mean the Broncos roll over the all over, like you said. Yeah. The Cardinals. I think uh the the biggest thing that I would say is for the people that are quickly because we live in the social media era, so people like to react like you know, play by play. Uh just be careful slandering Josh Rosen because if you just go back to two years ago, we were doing the same BS with uh Jared Goff, and now this guy is an MVP candidate. So just like Slow your roll. These young guys, they need smart offensive minds with them before you can really judge them as far as how they'll be as a quarterback in this league. Um, All right, cool. Our next game, uh, we have the Chargers beating the Titans 20-19. Titans scoring at like the very last second, going for two and not getting it. Actually, going for two, not getting it, but getting a penalty, and then going for two again and not getting it again. Um. How, what do you guys think of that call, by the way? Are you going for two there or no? I love – I've always been outspoken about this. If you guys remember all the times that the Packers recent recent years have lost, I, I believe they lost their last four games in the playoffs in which games went to overtime, and all four times Aaron Rodgers didn't touch the football. And, I mean, dude, yesterday, looking ahead to what we're going to talk about in a little bit, Justin Tucker missed the point after, and this guy never missed his whole career. So – if I'm the Titans or if I'm any team, 
I'd rather just go for it from the two-yard line than kick a, a point after attempt there. I'm, I'm all for that call. I mean, yeah, I, I think – so you're looking at it this way. You, you're a rookie head coach, right, and your team had just gotten blown out last game and against a Baltimore Ravens team that you guys continue to tell me doesn't look good, and I, I continue to try – I and, never said that. We don't yeah. say it doesn't look good. I just said they're not exciting. I don't know. I, I keep – every time I watch this team, I keep thinking, like, am I an idiot for thinking that they're, like, AFC championship good? But anyway, like, this could have been a completely – season turner for the titans say they do convert all of a sudden you win this game on the road in london against one of the better teams in the afc and you did it in a swashbuckler type fashion and now you are carrying that momentum in the second half of the season so i i am not opposed to it but at the same time if it goes wrong it has the ability to do this and what it's doing now all of a sudden if you're a titan you're three and four you are still only a couple games back in the division, so not that bad, but uh, you're not feeling nearly as good about this. Now you're going from a blowout loss to a loss right at the tip at the very edge. Um, I don't understand the play calling from the Titans side. Uh, they got three chances from the goal line, and this is a run-first team most of the year, and they put the ball in Marcus Mariota's hands three times. Um, I have trouble with that. In the uh, wrong fashion, not right. letting him run it. Right, so I have trouble considering that, especially from two yards out. But, I mean, I like it. The cojones on Mike Vrabel, first-year head coach. Do you, bro. Do you. Yeah. I mean, you know what? I don't like it. I don't. To me, what I thought personally was like, this you, is, you get down there and you're riding high and you're like, fuck it, we just scored. Like, all right, I'm down to go for two. But then if we don't get it and we get lucky that there's a penalty, like, all right, I'm not going to you know, push my luck again. And also the momentum has like kind of stopped now. Let's just kick this and then bring it into you know overtime and and see what's up. Yo, they pretty much held the Chargers in check all game. Pretty much, definitely all second half. But it was for like I think it was the first play from scrimmage for the Chargers was the deep bomb to Tyrell. Then Mike Williams scored like a fifty yarder. So it was the big play that kind of beat them and it was like peeping into the backfield. Uh, other than that, they did a stout job defending them. And I thought at that point it was I forgot how much time was left on the clock. It was like eleven seconds. Whatever it was. Yeah. At that point, why not play for overtime? Like, you have all the confidence. That just says, like, yo, our D has been locking up. Let's go back one more drive and get them. And not even that. You're talking you're talking division. I'm looking at wild card. Like, this is a huge swing in the wild card. To go to three and four and, and the Chargers go to five and two. It's like with the Chiefs in that division, you got to think one of those teams are getting a division and the wild card spot. Yo, they just threw it. That's a big two-game swing for the Titans. Yeah. I would have done it. Because we came down and we're going to, you know, we just. So Vrabel said in his post game, he's like, I'm all about like being aggressive. And before that drive, they took over like three minutes left, I believe it was. And he said before that drive, we talked about if it was over 40 seconds, we're not, we're going to kick the PAT. And if it was under, we're going to go for the win, which I don't really get, but. Yeah. That was his Chargers have won. Chargers, I believe, have won five games in a row. Their only two losses are to the. Undefeated LA Rams and the one loss Kansas City Chiefs. So they've been doing all of this without Joey Bosa, who is probably their best player overall. And they're getting him back after the bye week. So just watch out for these Chargers. They have a pretty favorable schedule to end the year. And, you know, they are only one game back of the Kansas City Chiefs and they do have to play them one more time. So 
this is a team that I think could definitely still make noise and go grab that division from Kansas City. Coming up from the Steelers to this for the Chargers too, <clears throat> the Seahawks, Raiders, Broncos, Cardinals. This is a team that could be nine and two. Yep. Yeah, who knows? Um all right, uh next game we have the Panthers beating the Eagles twenty one to seventeen. Yo, can I just say something? I've been a I've been a critic of Cam Newton in the past because he's not a great pocket passer. If Cam Newton wasn't on this team, like if you traded Alex Smith for Cam Newton, this team would be three and thirteen. He covers up for so many deficiencies in this team. Their skill positions are not great. Their offensive line, they gave him no time to breathe last last night. He was making plays by himself, including a fourth and ten, where he was basically being tackled and had to jump and make a play to convert at the end of the game. Fucking fantastic. Um their defense, now they made some big plays last week, but their secondary is weak. And if Luke Keekley's not in that game, that's another guy. Like Luke Keekley is the Cam Newton of that defense. He they were down seventeen to three, if I'm not mistaken. Seventeen zero. Seventeen zero. Seventeen zero. Punt, 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 punt. And then they come down, they score three straight touchdowns, and it was all Cam Newton who made that happen. This game was strict strictly a game of we win this game because you have we have Cam Newton and you don't. And on this side of the field, on the Panther side, Cam Newton made the place to win the game. And on the other side, it was Carson Wentz who made a terrible litany of errors in that last uh, ditch attempt to come back, uh, including when he fumbled on the last play. So quarterback play was the difference in this one. And when you usually look at the quarterbacks, you say, all right, if, if quarterback play is going to be the difference and you got Cam Newton and Carson Wentz, a lot of people will give the edge to Carson Wentz in that one. But it was Cam Newton by heads and shoulders in this game. Uh, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't say the whole game. I mean, he, Carson Wentz completed like, I think 15, 16 straight passes at one point. He finished 30 of 37. Uh, I think that, you know, the defense couldn't make a stop, dude. You're up 17 in the fourth quarter. Like you gotta, you gotta put that away, especially when you know that this team is going to have to throw from behind. Uh, I think the defense really let him down, but I do agree with you, Tim, that last drive, I guess you could blame Carson Wentz for it. Maybe that last drive, but I don't know if I could say he had a bad game as a whole. No, nah, I mean, I, I'm not, I wouldn't say it's a bad game, but if you're talking about who stepped up when he needed it most, it was Cam. And it, it's, it's the difference of like, yeah, the defense, you could say, let them down. But when Cam Newton is staying in the pocket and jumping and making throws to convert fourths and tens, like the defense did its job. You just got a Superman back there. And Cam Newton played like he was Superman today, uh, yesterday. Yeah, it was crazy. Three straight touchdowns in the fourth quarter on this Eagles defense that I myself and a lot of you know people are talking about as the top unit maybe in football. Kind of surprising, honestly, if they want to be taken seriously that you blow a three-touchdown lead at home, especially on a day when the Redskins win another game, move take another game on you in the division. So big loss at home for the, for the Eagles, for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, next, we have the Vikings going into New York to play the Jets, beating them 37-17. to What did you guys see? What did you guys see? First of all, I just want to point out Adam Thielen. 
Jesus. MVP. The guy a, is the is the best receiver in the league this year. What a giant cock on that guy, huh? That guy is just going out of control. He's have 100 yards in every single game. I don't even know how many catches he has, but he has to be up nine. there. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, like, oh. in, in total. He's averaging, like, nine plus. Yeah, and he has a, had another touchdown. This dude is just in a rhythm. Him and Kirk Cousins, I don't know if they slept in bunk beds in the offseason, but these guys are, like, really getting after it. Um, but what you guys see from the Jets? Uh, I mean... Sam Darnold struggled pretty bad. Um, he had a he had a a stretch in the in the second and third quarter, I believe, where he completed passes for a total of one yard. Um, this defense just kind of outclassed him. He looked like a rookie today. Probably his worst, probably his worst game as a Jet. Uh, I I think this is more about the Vikings, and I, I the Vikings seem to me to be a team that's putting everything together week by week by week and improving week by week by week. Um, this roster, this this team hasn't even played up to its potential that the roster has yet. And I think that as this team goes forward and as Kirk Cousins gets more comfortable and as our running game is more established, one thing that we've seen from them is Latavius Murray has uh, been a very good runner the past couple of weeks. And that's such a giant part of this team's success. Uh, I think this is going to be more about the... Uh, more about the Vikings, but the Jets, on the other hand, they're a they're a seven and nine, eight and eight team that's going to have these ups and downs. So I think that uh, for the we learned a lot from the Vikings today, and uh, I liked I liked them a lot going forward. I, I think that the people who wrote them off earlier were getting ahead of themselves. I don't know. I saw you know the Jets team wasn't really a team out there. I mean their their offense is depleted with injuries. Uh, Noon was went out last week. Terrell Pryor, arguably they're one and two, so uh, there's really nothing going on on the outside for them. And Darnold, that was the second coldest game he's ever played in in his life, and it was super windy. So with a score of ten seven at half, you think the Jets run the ball more than fifteen sixteen times with their running backs. So I'm going go more pl- terrible play calling, especially given the wind the wind condition. Uh, Met life yesterday. I know Dan Bailey missed I think a field goal. Um, which is kind of rare. Um, so yeah, for him to be throwing 42 times in those conditions, that's just asking to lose by 21 points. And I don't even think the score dictates what how close this game was. I think I think I think the kid is fine. I think he he just needs help, yo. Like Robbie Anderson can't be n- your number one receiver. Like it's cool if he's like your number two, like a Deshaun Jackson type. But if he's the guy that you're relying for on a consistent base basis, I mean, in in the DFS world, he's the ultimate like tournament play, right? Like this guy could either go like four catches for 150 yards and a touchdown, or he'll put up a stat line like he did on Sunday. Uh, there's just not many weapons around. Uh, Jeff fans, how do you guys feel about this tight end from Miami, Herndon? I mean, he's playing well. Uh, this is a second straight game with with a lot of. A lot of production. Uh, I liked him out of the draft. He he f- was a talent for the earlier rounds, but as most people from Miami, he got into some off the field trouble, so he he fell to the fourth round. Uh, I like him going forward. I think that he has potential. The only problem is the Jets have had a history of not being able to use their tight end. So like in fantasy purposes, I'm like, eh, you know, if you must, if you must, but uh, no, I, for real life I just, purposes, I like I like him. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the Jets never have a tight end to use. True. Aside from ASJ, and he put up numbers in the red zone last year. So I kind of like it. I mean, they've been searching for a tight end for, like, it feels like forever since Dustin Keller left. 
They drafted Jordan Leggett out of Clemson uh, two years ago, and this year they drafted Chris Herndon, who was a top pass catcher for that Miami team before he got hurt. So I like the pick. I think, you know, he was coming back from injury when we drafted him. Then he got arrested and into a car accident, which is all sorts of funky. Uh, stuck with him, which I think showed how much they believe in him. And now he's out there, and for two weeks in a row, he's found pay dirt. So, yeah, I think Chris Herndon could be, you know, a viable tight end going forward. It would be nice to have a new wrinkle in that offense. All right, cool. Uh, let's get to the next uh, game here. We have the Colts uh, beating Derek Anderson and the Bills, 37-5. Doesn't seem like that experiment worked out too much. Three interceptions. Kind of saw this coming. I have the best way to, to summarize this game. The Bills suck. Yeah, they do. I really don't have anything else to say. I mean, Marlon Mack is back, Mac Daddy. Return of the Mack. Hell yeah. Uh, two weeks in a row now, he's kind of... 130 yards on the ground. Yeah, taking the bulk of the carries and making the most of it. Um, yeah, I mean, that's all I really got, too. T.Y. T. Hilton was back for after missing a couple games and found Pater twice. Uh, yeah, I mean, the Bills, that was just a sorry performance, and they lost LaShawn McCoy to a concussion. So, and now not a lot the, going on. Yeah, I don't know what's going to go on there now. Uh, I want to say one thing. Andrew Luck is currently second in the NFL in passing touchdowns, only behind Pat Mahomes. Um, in all honestly, he's probably thrown 120 touchdowns this year with the weapons that he's had to throw to. Uh, this guy is continuing to do it with not much help on the outside, though. T.Y. Hilton came back and scored two touchdowns, but still, like it's like Ryan Grant, Chester Rogers, Pascal. It's a bunch of legends, so... It seems like Andrew Luck is back, and you got to be excited if you're a Colts fan. Yeah, they're utilizing the tight end, though, a lot. Like, Eric Ebron is killing this here for him. Yeah, and I, I, I'm i pretty sure Swoop, Eric Swoop, scored a touchdown for them as well, again. Their offensive line has also been good. Shout out to Moali Cox. VCU, he's a basketball player, too, like Rico Gathers. That's it. It's mad funny. I saw him catch a pass last week when they played the Jets. I was like, yo... No fucking way Mo Ali Cox is in the NFL right now. Mo Ali Cox. Great name. Needle dick. Needle dick. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. The next game we have is uh, the Patriots beat the Bears 38-31. to The Bears at the end of the game just toss that shit. Hail Mary. Kevin White comes down with it. Makes a move to the end zone, but then he gets stopped at like the fucking half yard line. That was crazy. Your boy, bro. Your I know. Boy. My boy Kevin White, man. Made some big catches in this game. That was a big catch I mean, there. A big catch. Yeah. That was yeah, he had another catch, but um Yeah. Bears? Yeah, the Bears are good. I I I talked about this a little bit in in the preview show that don't just assume that the Bears are gonna get blown out by the Patriots. This is a good team that can give them a run for their money. Uh their offense is well designed to beat the Patriots and they put up a lot of points. I think Mitch Trubisky for all of his problems in the pocket is underrated one of the most effective running quarterbacks in the league right now another 80 yards on the ground he switched fields to get a first to get a, a touchdown in which he just kind of walked in and despite the fact that every week he he runs like 10 times no one seems to understand that this guy is a running quarterback I think it's I don't know I don't know why people can't get this through their head, but he's having a, pro a lot of the problems that a lot of the running quarterbacks have had. He's uh, inconsistent. He has a cannon for an arm, but he's inconsistent with the accuracy. He's throwing big interceptions, and a couple of those interceptions really cost him uh, this week. So 
Um, until they can figure him out, he's he's the X factor for this team because if he could take the next step and if he could figure it out and become more Carson Wentz and less, I don't know, Vince Young, then I think that he is him and that team are really on the verge of being one of a pow- like a powerhouse. I think they have a roster that's that good. That powerhouse is one quarterback away. Yeah, I remember last week when we broke this game down, I touched on how the Dolphins beat the Bears was that quick hitter to Albert Wilson. And uh, we saw a lot of that. James White led the team in receptions with eight. Julian Edelman had that quick screen for the touchdown, made a play. Um, so, yeah, that's how you beat the Bears. And the book might be out, and the Patriots definitely capitalized. Uh, big injury to Sony Michelle, obviously, is, I think, the biggest takeaway from this game. I uh, heard that knee that's already injured, so we're still waiting to hear word on what it is, whether it's a sprain or whatever. Probably going to miss a couple weeks regardless, at minimum. So uh, we'll see what the real damage is to Michelle, who was establishing, establishing himself again early in this game with 20, 22 yards and a reception. Yo, do you guys think that Gronk is shot? Nah. Me neither. I mean, he yeah, he didn't play. I know, but I'm saying, like, it. do you think that his body has just, like, let him down, though, where he's not playing games like this? No, nah, I mean, I don't know what the injury was, considering it was, like, a last-minute development that he wasn't on the flight. They said he was, they were trying to get him out on Saturday or Sunday in a flight. It was a whole weird fiasco. I don't know what that really was. But I don't think he shot it at all. I mean, it could be. He could be getting there. He's a big boy. Big boys don't usually last as long as little boys. <laughs> I don't even know what that means, but you know, yeah. it makes sense in my head. Big bang, hey, little bang. Big bang, hey, little bang. Uh, Josh Gordon continues to be probably the, the best offensive weapon that they have, and he's just getting more and more comfortable. And let's not forget that they traded a fifth round pick for the rights to Josh Gordon. Yeah. And yeah, a guy think- just got traded for a first round pick who's nowhere near the talent that he is. In nowhere, not even in the same class. Yeah. I still think James White holds that. James White's a very productive player grounds, on that offense. Yeah. yeah. Um, Does it all. Also, Josh Gordon made that like wild catch where he like laid out and his helmet came off. Like, oh yeah, this dude still got it. Obviously, I thought he was gonna get up hurt. He just went up, grabbed his helmet, and was like, I'm, I'm good. The I'm Patriots good. haven't He's really a had a playmaker like that in a while. Yeah, like someone who could just go up there and make a play on the ball like that. Since maybe Randy Moss, I know the Randy Moss comparisons are a little. Overzealous, uh, over excuse me, but... Overstated, too. Yeah, overstated, overzealous, but at the same time, every single week, this guy gets more and more comfortable with the offense. He gets more and more acclimated. He gets more and more used. And you got to think to yourself, like, in three, four weeks, I would be surprised if Josh Gordon is not one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. Yeah, maybe. I'll be shocked. Uh, next game on the slate, we got the Bucks. Winning it in overtime, twenty-six to twenty-three, beating the Browns on a last on a game-winning field goal, uh, which I think Ken Zero missed one earlier. Yeah, and then he from, hit like two a, from closer, I believe. Yeah, and then he banked it, whatever that was. I think it was like a fifty-something yarder. But I mean, th- fifty-nine. This, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this game was like kind of regular to me. It's just funny that I think it's the fourth Browns game that goes into overtime and. Uh, I feel bad. the The Bucks have been snake bit by injury too. They just lost Quan Alexander to an ACL tear, so he's out for the year too. He's he's one of the more underrated linebackers, I think, in the league. And uh, losing him kind of sucks for that team. Um, 
I feel like the loser of that game should have should have been fired, like between those two coaches. So it's just funny to see. There are rumblings out of Cleveland that John Dorsey and Haslam, the owner, are talking about maybe making a change at at um at head coach. So it's gonna be interesting to monitor the next couple of weeks what happens. Classic Hugh Jackson's like, yeah, you know, these things aren't going right. So I guess I gotta start calling plays. Like, nah, dude, please don't do that. It's the the answer to everything is not I'll take over. Yeah. Yeah. James was spreading it too. Ten ten different uh pass catchers for the Bucks yesterday. He also ran the ball ten times. Yeah. Second to only Peyton Barber who had eleven carries. Man, James is such a conundrum for me because he'll look like one of the best quarterbacks in the world and he'll he'll be there and then all of a sudden he'll throw one of the worst picks you've ever seen in your life. He completely disappeared in the in the overtime too. He did nothing. Uh turnover when it counted most. He he got lucky because they I mean he he moved them a little bit. No, they they pay, he threw a very bad pick, and then in overtime, the the it was in overtime when he threw that pick, right? Yes. And then they were, I think they were like right outside of field goal range. He got sacked like twice, and they were yeah, out of it, so they had the punt. Sacks. And then they ret- and then they got that punt back on a fumble, so they got lucky that too, on that. Yeah, they got lucky on fucking that. Jabril Peppers, right? So, like he he needs to. I don't know what's going on with him, but he's. He's one second looks like he's the best quarterback in the NFL. The next second looks like he should never play quarterback again. I don't even see this one second where he looks like the best quarterback in the NFL. I'm not a Jameis guy. He's a serviceable guy, but he's whatever. I love Jameis. He always like, <laughs> he's the ultimate. What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? Oh, all right. All right. All right. <laughs> or then it's just yeah. like, what are you doing? What the fuck are you doing? Yeah. This dickhead. What is he doing? <laughs> it's like every play. <laughs> High stress. Um, all right, cool. Uh, next game we have Texans beat the Jaguars 20-7. to I think, does anyone else think it's time that Blake Bottles? It's time. <laughs> Yo, the, the most crazy thing that I've heard lately, I heard it on another podcast this morning, Derek Carr to the Jaguars. What do you guys think about that? Oh, interesting. Interesting. Some, someone needs to go there because... Fucking Blake Bortles Damn. sucks, dude. The more I look at it, the judge should have held on to Teddy Bridgewater and could have probably got a nice premium. Uh-huh. Sure, but I mean, or they could have just not traded for him because the the Jaguars don't seem like they even want a good quarterback. Now, after the game, they were, they were talking about Blake Bortles and and their head coach Doug Marone was like, yeah, you know, the only reason I bench Bortles because I can't bench all the players. And it was like a symbolic benching. So with talking like that. It sounds like they have every intention of returning to Blake Bortles. Yo, I never thought I would say this, but is it much of an upgrade? No. I mean, Cody Kessler? No. um, Oh, Derek Carr and Blake Bortles? Yeah. I think so. Yo, Blake Bortles is really bad, man. I think that it's it's hard to even tell how bad he is because he gets covered up by that defense. But I think if you put a quarterback, even like Derek Carr, which we've seen him play great, but we've also seen him kind of sit where he sits in the middle of the pack, whatever. And I think if you put him on the Jaguars, like we just need you to move the ball up the field and like give us good field position and like keep us off the f- field for a little bit. But Blake Bortles just sucks, man. Not for nothing, too. I don't feel. I feel like Derek Carr has, hasn't been half bad this year. It's the defense that sucks in Oakland. I mean, that whole team is bad. I mean, yeah, but he's making the most of what he has. That's what I'm saying. I mean, it's hard to even tell like how good or bad he is because like the team's pretty awful. But I think that there is. I think it's worth it for them to get Derek Carr 
over these two guys, Kessler and Bortles. Like, I'd rather have Derek Carr than them. Just to see. Yeah? I don't know if it's... I think it is a giant upgrade. I don't know. I, I still believe in Derek Carr if he's put in the right system. Derek Carr right now is last in the NFL in air yards. So it's like... Is it him? Is it his fault? Is he a check down master where he's afraid? Or is it the offense that he's in? I think that's the that's the answer. Word. I feel like aside from his London loss, uh, he hasn't been half bad, although he is turnover prone. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, let's get to the next game here. The Lions beating the Dolphins 32-21. to Carry on Johnson went apeshit. 158 yards on the ground. It's averaging 8.3. What? Jesus. Yo, Adrian Peterson being good is one of the most unsung things of the season. Where did that come from? Did you just say Adrian Peterson? I just said carry on Johnson. We're oh, talking about carry the on Johnson. Oh. <laughs> yo, that, what the that, was, fuck was I that? I was reading Derek Carr's like, yo, Derek Carr across the board. Not to, not to go <laughs> back. What did Adrian Peterson? I thought you said Adrian. Yo. <laughs> yo, AJ Peterson though. I mean, not AJ Peterson. Derek Carr crossed the board, not for nothing. <laughs> Bro, we really bad. From that. I know, but I was reading the stats, and I guess like I, I didn't catch you say. I, I just got Unson at the end. Yeah, I'm like, oh, good running back, Austin. Uh, I guess we're talking about Adrian Peterson. No, I uh, know. Carry on Johnson's nice too, though. Uh, the, <laughs> the Lions all of a sudden look like a team to be reckoned with. They, they're kind of doing what they. Um, should be doing and beating the teams that they should be beating. But, I mean, if you add a running game to this team, that's a major problem because this passing game is full of weapons. This running game is full of weapons. And if you're the Lions and you can control the clock with a running game, then your defense doesn't have to be on the field as much. They play better. And all of a sudden, you go from a team that's looking like they can't hang with anyone to a team that it starts to start to roll after beating the Patriots and now looks like a contender in the in an NFC North that's not nearly as strong as we thought it was going to the going into the year. Yeah, I mean, that running game helped everything for that offense, including time possession. I mean, everyone was super efficient because of that. Uh, Matt Stafford, 18 for 22 with two touchdowns, no picks. Um, so the emergence of on Johnson, who they took in the second round, it's about time. He's probably the best pure runner on that team. Behind, like, like Garrett Blunt, Theo Riddick, him. Like, this dude should have been getting carries from week one in my eyes with no one challenging him except Blunt for goal line work, which is fine, which he did run one in. But other than that, it should be the carry-on show. It should have been the carry-on show from week one, and he's showing that of late. Word. Yeah, I mean, he was he was a lot of people's uh, – a, a guy that people thought should go higher in the draft coming out of Auburn. Um, I think that, yo, it's, it, it's hard to judge a quarterback when he doesn't have a ground game, especially a team that loves to run play action out of shotgun. And even under center, just in general, they're a team that does like to run shotgun. But if you don't have a running game that you respect, I mean, I've seen it as a Giant fan all these years where this is the this is the first year where the play action actually works. It's just that we don't have a quarterback to execute. But regardless, when you have a, a, a running game, it, it opens up everything for your offense. So, yeah, I think more touches for on Johnson is going to be fantastic going down the road. Uh, did anyone, by the way, for just touching on the Miami side, did, any, did anyone get... Surprise when Brock Osweiler couldn't win two games in a row. Needle dick. Needle dick. <laughs> <laughs> Not surprised with his needle tip. Yeah, fucking Brocky Brock Little Cock. Back at it. 
back at it again. Though he didn't really play all that bad. Yeah, sure, but you're not gonna win any games with Brock Osweiler. I'm just sure. Oh, Albert Wilson too got hurt. I need you to miss yeah. some time. That was devastating for that offense. Amendola had the game of his life Amendola on a did. fucking. Uh, he had a crazy good touchdown catch too. A lot of Went tough up in traffic it, and wheeled one in. A lot of tough injuries this week. Yeah. Uh, next game on the slate, we have the Saints beating the Ravens twenty-four to twenty-three. Fucking Justin Tucker misses the first extra point of his career, the one that would have tied this game. Yo, little kids in Baltimore, it. if you're Ravens fans. I want you to think that you watch this and have a lesson learned that take nothing in life for granted. Because if there is one thing you could take for granted, it's that Justin Tucker will nail an extra point when he needs to nail an extra point. And he just, it just flew. It just like, it was like angels in the outfield. Yeah, he got blown away. Yeah, just wanted, like uh, an angel came through and just took it away. It looked like, uh, what's that other movie with Marlon Wayans where his brother is like. Sixth Man. The Sixth Man. It was like yeah. that. It's like some crazy shit, but I mean, on the on the, on the other hand, if you're the Ravens, this is a giant. This this could have been a giant win, but it's a really big statement game. I think the Ravens are here to like put it, really cemented their place here. Um, when you take a Saints team that's averaging 36 points per game and you make them look like they had to struggle for points, which they did, 90 yards less than they usually score. Uh, 14 points less than they usually sto- usually score. Uh, I think that it's if, if you're if you're a Baltimore fan, you're like, wow, this defense is le- defense is legit to the point where we could hold the Saints. To I think the Saints had six points going to the third quarter. And but then if on the other hand, you're looking at the Saints. Now you're looking at a team that says, all right, we can score at least enough points to hang with the best defense in the league. Now could our defense step up? And their defense did not step up. Their defense gave up a giant play to John Brown at the end of the game. They had a complete blown coverage uh, to to have that last touchdown. Uh, Joe Flacco looked great. He was releasing the ball sidearm from all angles, uh, slinging it down the field. Uh, I, I feel really good about both these teams. If the Chiefs, like if Patrick Mahomes gets injured or something, and the Patriots didn't exist. Like, if Tom Brady got injured, I think Baltimore is the favorite in the AFC. You just named, like, two insane scenarios. Yeah, right. But, I mean, they're not the favorite. You just they're, say they're the they're third th- best team in the AFC. They're the third best team, yeah. yeah. But I think they could be in the AFC Championship game if, if everything goes right. I mean, yeah, I wouldn't call it crazy. Defense travels, and they sure as hell play a shit ton of defense. I mean, they held Breeze in check pretty much that whole game. He barely, you know, surpassed 200 yards, so... Yeah, I mean Tim, I don't know if you got your game of the year that you were that you saw, but it's it was definitely game. worthy. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Also, um, one thing I wanted to say was uh, your boy Jimmy Smith, right? What was that streak he had? Yeah. What was it? It's over. What was it? Twenty two straight games. Twenty two games, and then Mike Thomas. Can't go on Mike, baby. Yeah. Can't go on Mike, baby. You know what I'm saying? That guy. Trent Breaker. Yo, I, I always I always make this case when I anytime I talk fantasy or I talk DFS and I mean it applies to real football too. Like a lot of times we find ourselves saying that, oh, this guy's going up against a great corner. Every now and then that wide receiver is also great too. And we need to start giving the benefit of the doubt to the guy on the offensive side too. It happened in week one when everyone's like, Oh, don't play, don't start Odell. He's going up against the Jaguars defense. And it's like, well, look, Odell is not uh is not like some third stringer. He's not Lewis Murphy, you know, like this is a top, this is an all pro candidate, you know? So 
what Mike Thomas said, he just shows you that he's matchup proof. It don't matter who's guarding him. He's always in play to have a big game. Yeah. Also, Drew Brees throws 500, his 500th touchdown and also becomes one of, I believe, four quarterbacks that have beaten every single team in the NFL. The Ravens were the last one. For it's him. three, I think. I think it's him, Brett, and Peyton. I thought it was four. I think it's those three. I don't know. You expect Tom Brady to be there, but he doesn't love the Patriots, so yeah. there's that. Um, all right, let's get to the next uh, game here. We have the Redskins beating the Cowboys 20-17. to 17. Adrian Dak, Peterson. Adrian Peterson, but also Dak Prescott fumbling on the, like, basically what was the dagger. Um, yeah, or they just, rough. like, ran it in. I mean, they, they were – they completed that first pass. I think it was to Cole Beasley for a first down and then holding. And then next play, fumbled. Yeah. Scoop and score. But, scoop, I mean, they scoop, should. Scoop. They had a chance to tie it up at the end, too. And then another bad penalty, that uh, faulty snap or whatever they called it, which was weird. I never heard that before. But moved them back five yards, and then he kicked a ring the upright. So just just a case of like oh, man. not being disciplined at times in the clutch for the Cowboys. Nothing makes me happier than seeing the Cowboys hit that upright. I just love it. <laughs> Yo, and, they just, <laughs> and they just traded a... <laughs> They just traded a first-round pick for Amari Cooper. Yikes. Um, yo, why not just keep Dez then? Because I think it's the same kind of receiver. Like, Amari Cooper struggles to get open as well. So does Dez Bryant. Yeah, I mean, it, Amari Cooper is younger, though. It's probably like way more years. upside with than Dez. Nah, Dez is I mean, not that old. Dez is that definitely old. Not, He's 29. Yeah. Definitely not by 10 years. But, yeah, he is younger nah. for sure. Um, yeah, Seven change years. of scenery. Maybe, but like a first round pick though, dog. Come yeah, I don't on, know. Man. He's five years younger and like I mean I, I'm with you, man. A first round pick is a little a little much for me. I mean there's and no yo, way like, you give a f- yeah, go ahead, Nick. Uh, right now Dallas is projected to have the fifteenth pick in the draft. Oakland has three first round picks next year. And I mean look, I, I still don't agree with the Khalil Mack move, but like now John Gruden is just racking up these draft picks, and who knows? Maybe he likes a quarterback next year, and they get rid of uh, uh, Derek Carr. I mentioned how a couple episodes ago he's a nineteen million dollar cap hit next year on them. So this is a absolute hustle, highway robbery, as I once famously said in our fantasy league. What uh, what the Raiders just did to Dallas? It's it's interesting because it, I think it shows that you got. John Gruden there for 10 years, and he's looking at this as a 10-year plan. He's not looking at this as right now. Now, it might be frustrating as as fuck yeah. for him to be part of this, but he is clearing house, and he's trying to make a John Gruden team. Uh, so this is the first step to doing that. Now, Amari Cooper, let's, let's not consider about what he went for, but the fact that, all right, now he's being added to the Cowboys. He's much needed for the Cowboys. I, I, I was watching this game, and I, and I thought to myself, wow, the Cowboys are... Mark Sanchezing the shit out of Dak Prescott right now, where you have a kid that's pretty good, but he's not good enough to take over an offense yet, and you kind of throw him out to the wolves and give him no support whatsoever. And I'm afraid that the damage that they're doing to him before they got Amari Cooper was like enough to make him Mark Sanchez like in his career moving forward. Uh, with that being said, Amari Cooper has shown flashes of greatness. He needs to improve his his ability to catch balls that are contested, but 
he is a dynamic talent. So let's see if he could be used in the right way in Dallas. Because if he is, then all of a sudden you got a team that Dallas is definitely not out of the out of the scheme of things. Um, in the NFC East, the Redskins are in first place. So if Dallas can make a giant shift in their offense and open up some Ezekiel Elliott running lanes, who knows? Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I, if I was Dallas, I would have went the cheaper route when he got to Marius. I'm sure he could have been had for less over yeah. a little over the hill, but I, I don't think like Dallas is really challenging for anything. I know that was a huge two game swing in the division. You win that game, I think you're leveled up with the with the Redskins now. You, you know, two game swing, so that's huge. That's huge, and I don't really think getting Amari Cooper and trading one is the right move at this time. Yo, and even if Amari Cooper turns into like the Amari Cooper that everyone thinks he like, not thinks, but what he once was when he was posting like, you know, when ACDC was running wild, a first round pick is a lot, especially when you look at what we mentioned a couple of you know a couple of moments ago where the Patriots gave up a fifth round pick for Josh Gordon. Like it's just it's just crazy. I mean, to me the circumstances are different though. Like Josh Gordon clearly has a troubled pass. It's like a huge risk to take on a player. Whereas uh, the- f- fair, fair, but I mean, like, you know, going back a couple of years, Antonio Holmes, what was he traded for? Like a fifth? Yeah, but he was also had his issues of his own in uh Pittsburgh. I mean, yeah, Amari Cooper got his own issues too. The guy can't get open. <laughs> yeah, but th- that has nothing to do with his, how he conducts himself off the field. <laughs> I didn't. I, I, it just broke up. I didn't hear anything that was said after uh, what Boss said. That nothing. Was... It was just funny. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> all right, let's get to the next game here. The Rams remain undefeated, seven and zero. They beat the Forty Nine ers, thirty nine to ten. Uh, yeah. Fucking Todd Gurley has another three touchdowns. This guy's. Unbelievable. Scores at will. Rams are serious. 49ers have C.J. Beathard behind him. So not much happening here. Um, Anyone want to say anything? No, the Rams re- are have the ability to be one of those historic teams that I, I think we might be seeing the beginning of a dynasty. Uh, I'm not going to not gonna say no. I'm not going to say no. I'm not really say yeah either, but. Yeah, I know. You got to win one, but yeah. No, I think I think Tim is right. I think this is the beginning of a dynasty. I mean, you can even consider last year the start to the dynasty if you really think about it. It's a team true. that overachieved. They arrived early to the party. And yo, once again, the biggest luxury in all of professional sports is having a top level quarterback and not having to pay him anything. And you're gonna see they're gonna continue to make moves in the offseason. Teams like the Kansas City Chiefs are gonna continue to make moves in the offseason. The New York Jets down the line too. So the Rams, yeah, the Rams are here to say you're looking at with this year, probably another two to three years where they'll be a serious Super Bowl favorite. Yeah. Um, I mean, the Niners are banged up. Yeah, but they're, you know. The Rams offense is potent and the story goes on. They have a guy whose name is pronounced Mostert. Catch up with Mostert. Oh, my God, dude. You got to be kidding me. That was trash. That was terrible, yo. That was awful. Yo, you just you guys are just jealous. No. Jealous. Uh, Jealousy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, the last game. Yo, was... I was expecting something from the soundboard there. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, man? Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh the the final slate. You know, I gotta put in I gotta put in just a bunch of people booing because you're probably gonna say like five <laughs> things a five things an episode, Yeah, please like, don't nah. do that. I'm just gonna be booed all the Boo. time. <laughs> 
Uh, all right, so the final game we have on the slate, uh, the Chiefs uh, beat the Bengals 45-10. to 10. Not really a score that we were kind of expecting, I would say. Thought this would be a little bit closer, but the Chiefs reign supreme. Patrick Mahomes throws another four touchdowns. Yikes. Um, I, I, I said, I, you say I wasn't expecting this, but this is exactly what I said in the, I mean, in the previous group, show. Not to, we were kind of like. You know, not to, you know, pat myself on the back or anything. I mean, what'd you expect? I, 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 I think I said something like 42-10 or something like that. Like I said, a blowout. From, I just don't see. Like the Bengals were couldn't before see the Bengals this game. putting up points on this defense. I could have, but I didn't. I didn't think they were gonna. They were going to be able to come back from the amount of points that the Chiefs were about to put on them. Like this, this is a team in the Bengals that before they even got to the Chiefs had like hadn't forced a punt in a game or two. I'm not sure how many drives in a row I had that in my head for, and then I forgot it for some reason. But they they already were bad, and now they're facing the worst. Another, I'm sorry, the best offense in the league. Like, this had recipe for disaster written all over it from the very beginning. This Kansas City Chiefs team, unless you're unless you're good, I don't know how you even stand a chance against them. They're that good. Yeah, they're nasty. Yo, I want to say one thing about Vontez Perfect. I watched a, a compilation, Joe, take it easy, of, of uh, him doing a lot of, like, dirty hits. And it's like a 10-minute video, and... Even uh, there was a tackle that he made on Spencer Ware where he like rolls, he tackles him by the ankle and he's kind of like hitting him with a curt angle ankle lock. And it's like, yo, dude, you're just a dirty ass player. And if you want to clean up the league and you want to keep it, you want to, you know, you're all about player safety. I'm sorry. Guys like that can't be in your league. Yeah, man. Especially because this is strike 14. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, yo, how many times is this guy just gonna just do some foul shit like that? Yo, he's got he got two fines against the Steelers too. It was like over a hundred thousand dollars. He's up to half a million dollars in fines since he got in the league. It's just enough is enough with this guy, yo. And I know he's a good player, but he's also a dirty bastard too. It's a dirty girl. <laughs> dirty girl. Yo, <laughs> Just touched on the Chiefs. Like, I'm mad hype when you said dirty girl. Yeah. yeah. He's like, whoa. Went from Joe Take It Easy to, ooh. Yeah. Dirty girl. Whoa, what are we talking about here? I mean, he, he said it. I was just quoting. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, the Chiefs, yeah. like, they finished they finish, uh, drives. They, they're getting six on their drives. That's the difference. That's why these games are, they're putting up points. Kareem Hunt. In there. Kareem, Kareem Hunt, too. He was doing nothing in the beginning of the year. They were putting up points, and now he's one of the best again. Yeah, he's feasting. When you stop one thing, you still got something else in the back pocket. That yeah. seems to be the case with the Chiefs. Um, but yeah, that is our that is our show for this week. We got the Giants and Falcons tonight. Oh, let do it. <laughs> you took the Giants, right? I did. Yeah, I don't know about I that. Need that. I need that. I just need. I was. I'm two and one chipping. I was. Oh, I, I went two and one this week too. Holla. Uh, I was uh, in terms of the San Diego Studios fantasy league. I was beating my brother Jason by a lot and then he had Kareem Hunt so now he's back in the game so I'm very much hoping Odell uh, like tweaks a hammy or something and goes out in the first quarter oh, hey out here yo what I said tweaks a hammy that just means he's gonna you know, you know eat a sandwich on the sidelines no. yo I hate yo like I wish I, I wish <laughs> I had something for you right now that was so hey, Dan, bad Danny's not there right Danny's not there to grab the mic and just curse me out no he's not he still doesn't love me like he used to <laughs> Um, anyway, that is our show. Uh, Nick, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me at the Lamb Show. 
Twitter, Instagram, twitch.tv slash the lamb show, baby. <laughs> Tim? Uh, at Timbertrop on all social media outlets, but only if you're feeling real, real, real frisky. The waiver wave coming out later today at 11 a.m. So uh, Eastern time. So check that out uh, before you pick up your waivers. BrotoFantasy.com and the Brodo Fantasy podcast for everything yearly fantasy. At Envito27 on Twitter and the gram. And you guys can follow me on Twitter at Joe Santagato. And go follow the show on Instagram, veterans underscore Instagram. And our uh, fucking Twitter is at veterans minimum. And that is all. We'll see you guys next time. Let's do it again. In a new studio. Oh, yeah. With furniture in next time. Shut up. Shut up.